0: Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to make sure you guys know that in this episode, there's a lot of talk about sexual assault, particularly childhood sexual assault. There is a lot of talk about violence and um, domestic situations, um, self-harm, particularly suicide. Um, there's just a, there's just some, some tough talk in this episode. And if any of those things are the type of things that would make this a hard listen for you, go ahead and skip this one and I'll see you next week. Thanks. Hi, guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of My Pumpkin. Um, it is good to be back. It was also good to be gone. (laughs) Uh, uh, Taking the month of December off is the best fucking idea I've ever had in my life. My life. Um, for the last few weeks, the things that you guys heard were, um... Well, on this, on the main feed here, we're on, um, we old Patreon episodes. And people who were members of Patreon got a new episode that continued to get a new episode every, uh, week. But I just pre recorded them. So, two things. One, thank you for rocking with me during my break. A lot of you reached out and were like, you are doing a great thing. Thank you for, like, um, Thank you for being a role model for self-care. Thank you. Like, I enjoy your break. And I appreciate that because not everyone is generous like that, uh, including myself. I've been the person that's been like, listen, why are you fucking up my schedule? <laughs> I watch this show or listen to the show at a certain time every week and I, you cannot take a break. I so I appreciate everyone that was like really good about it. And if the stuff you're listening to while I was gone in the month of December um, appealed to you was music to your ears, think about joining the Patreon. The the Patreon is at patreon.com backslash buypumpkin. It is $5 a month to get a a weekly episode. This is a dollar and some change per episode. It, It is more than fucking worth it if I do say so myself. For those who like to hear um me just babble about personal stuff, there's a Princess Diaries tier that's $10 and you get all the you get all the uh weekly bonus episodes and then you get an extra Princess Diaries episode every month. So, think about it. Because I'm going to take another break, probably in July, and do the same thing. It was fucking lovely. Um so this week I have for the Patreon they got their weekly bonus episode uh it was on Call Me Miss Cleo an HBO Max documentary that came out just before the holidays and and then the Princess Diaries uh tier got a almost 3 hour a long fucking episode where I just talked about what I did in December what I did for Christmas and New Year's and all that. And in both of those episodes, I talked about why my voice sounds like this. My voice sounds like this because I got a cold, I got a cough, and when I have a cough, I, one, stupidly often don't take medicine. I just let it go. I let the cough, like, work its way through, which means I cough a lot, which means I lose my voice. Um, So I've taken, I've, like, I've done the best I can at waiting for as long as possible to record this episode that so my voice can have a chance to kind of recover. Um, it might take, like, just have patience with me here because when my voice is like this, I can talk for a bit and then it kind of like dies out and then I have to pause recording to kind of clear my throat and drink something. It takes a while to record when my voice is like this. Um, but if this should go without saying. I'm, But I'm gonna say it anyway. If this, like, if hearing this raspiness in my voice is, like, irritating to you, just turn this off. Like, you don't have to listen to things that are irritating to you. You don't have to listen to things that you don't like and then leave bad reviews about it or send messages about it. You just don't have to listen to it. There will be another episode in about a week. And by then, my voice should be all the way back. So be good to yourself. Be good to me. Just turn the shit off. One thing I want to do before we get started here is I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about like this kind of book project I've been on for the last shit, since maybe the end of November. So you guys know that right now I've, I've been watching a lot of Sister Wives. I listen, I always watch Sister Wives. There's a, the Sister Wives finally got good. And a lot of you are jumping on the bandwagon, but you wasn't shooting with us in the gym. OK, you wasn't watching all these terrible old ass episodes that all of us were watching when nothing was happening, waiting for something to happen. So if this is if you just now started watching Sister, Sister Wives because some shit's finally happened, get to the back of the line. OK, we were all here. Bored out of our fucking minds. We're first. Anyway, But I've been watching a lot of Sister Wives and just really thinking a lot of, by the way, Sister Wives finale is I'm recording this Saturday night. It is Sunday. I am going to do a bonus episode this week on the Patreon where I talk about this season of Sister Wives. Um, I know I've started off talking a bit about it in some of the episodes. It's just going to be all my thoughts about the season. There will be a lot of yelling in it. So if you're a member of Patreon, look for that on Thursday. If you're not, have you considered becoming a member of Patreon? Don't you want to just spend $5 and just get some good shit? Try it. So because I've been watching a lot of Sister Wives and kind of kind of like coming to a reckoning about how I feel about the Cody Brown family, I have been like really thinking a lot about polygamy, fundamentalist Mormon polygamy. Um, and so I just I I just have been listening to a lot of audiobooks about it. Um and so in December, November, December, I listened to like nine audiobooks about it. And I wanted to talk a bit about what I was listening to um, because it's, it's, it's all I've been thinking about lately. So two things, I have an Audible subscription that I barely use and they're always like, girl, what you going to do with all these goddamn credits? And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. What I really use to listen to audiobooks is my library card. I have an Austin public library card. I have a New York City public library card that I always renew every time I go back to visit. Uh, family. I believe I let my Chicago library card go. But (laughs) I use all of these library cards in the Libby app. Um, It's L-I-B-B-Y. It is, it is, all it does is you hook up your library card to it and it makes it very easy to check out things. And it makes it very easy to listen to audiobooks in particular. And often what I will do is I will just go to the search part, Filter it so that it says audiobook and then filter it so it says available now. So only things I can check out right now and don't have to be on hold. And then put a topic in. Like right now, I'm really working on boundaries for the new year. I think Princess Diaries and February will be talking about the things I'm trying to work on this year. And one of them is just better boundaries. Um people always think I have really good boundaries because I love saying no to people. But these are like general public. I love saying no to the general public. Once you, I have like all the walls up, walls up, walls up, walls up everywhere. And then as once I have allowed you inside the walls, I have no boundaries. I'm like, here's my beating heart. Just have it. There's no problem. It's fine. Fine. I don't need a heart. I'm fine. Like, And so I'm working, I'm really working this year on some boundaries and uh, some codependent relationships I have. And so like, I would just change the filter to audiobooks Um, available now boundaries and then all the audiobooks I can listen to right now from any of my library cards will show up and I can just check them out and listen to it. Libby, the Libby app is great. First of all, you should have a library card. If you don't have one, fucking go get one. You pay taxes. You're allowed to have one. You live in, you live in the County or whatever for you're allowed to have one. And the more people have library cards and check out books, the more funding they get. It affects funding. So get one you need one. Okay. But where did I put my phone? I mean, here's my phone. Gosh, I almost lost my shit. But I just like, so I just, instead of doing available now, I just looked for any type of books. Um, I mean any type of audio books and just waited for them to, and put them on hold and they, they'd show up and Libby would check them out for me. Um, I mostly checked out books. I use audio I use audible credits for the books I couldn't check out. and so what did I start with? I started with hmm I started with Escape from Carolyn Jessup. I think this is probably a gold standard of of the of the books. It isn't my favorite, but it is very like what you expect from them um. Uh, it's a woman narrating, um, about growing up in the FLDS and, um, and this is in a particular sect, which is, I think the UEBE, which is the one that Warren Jeffs, a lot of these things, a lot of these books, if you're, if you're listening to a bunch of these books, they are definitely going to give you the history of Mormonism. They're going to give you the history of how the fundamentalists branched off. They're going to talk to you about Rulon Jeffs and was warren jeff's father we were talking about rulon jeff's and his um and under before him there really was like a committee rule and under rulon it became a one person one profit rule and then warren jeff's the infamous warren jeff's um so if like i don't know if i mean gold standard but it is the standard memoir, memoir for this type of stuff. Um, after that, I went to, what is this? Why is my, what is, what the fuck is going on with these, with these screenshots? After that, I went to Stolen Innocence with Alyse, Alyssa Wall. I, I read Breaking Free with Rachel Jeffs. I, I read The Witness Wore Red, it's Rebecca Musser. Um. The Witness War Red is interesting because although there are lots of these memoirs, many of them, I mean, they're all, a lot of these people are related to each other. They all appear in each other's books. And I believe it was The Witness to War Red that really like, I was like, it felt like she had changed names, but I recognized Flora Jessup I recognized Becky Wall. I recognized Elisa Wall, and so like I was like, why are the names different? But this one is more. um, This one, she's a lot more. She's a lot more sympathetic to the F.L.D.S. community, and it's Warren Jeffs that she's really upset with. Um, what else did I listen to? Oh. I also, I obviously listen to Under the Banner of Heaven, which is, okay, so I often like what I call book report, dry ass um, books, because they're really easy to work through. The Catherine the Great book that um, by a Pulitzer, a Pulitzer winner, I listened to three times in a row. It's super dry. It's super long, but it just so much information in it, and I really enjoyed it. Under the banner of heaven is like that. It is one of the few that is narrated by a man. Um, and this guy is not, he is not in he he this isn't a memoir. He is he famous he's like a famous author who happened to see um the homes at Short Creek where he was hiking or something like that, and was like, what is that? And because the way the houses are, they're, they're often like built in stages and they have trailers and like hodgepodge of things. So it's, it's very like, when you see it, you're like, what is this? And so he researched and wrote a book about the FLDS and also in particular two brothers who killed a, a woman and a baby because they believed in like blood atonement, which is something that, uh, Rulon and Warren started preaching about how, like, you need to kill people for the Lord. And, um, so this is like, this is, this is one of the most, um, outside books that I read about it. I also read Prophets Pray, which is by Sam Brower. Sam Brower is a, um, is a, uh, a private investigator. This book is interesting again because it's narrated by a man. Most of them are women writing these books and, and telling these stories. Um, but it's interesting because because he's a private investigator that worked with like prosecution and the civil lawsuits from the Lost Boys and the lawsuits that took um, the UEB trust from uh from Warren's hands and put it back into the community's hands um which is all the money that's controlled there and the back and forth of that court case because he worked on that his this perspective of that book is very much like um true crime okay it's not like the other ones which are which are about one person in their perspective this one is like the case of you know so that one's really interesting Um, he mentions John Krakauer in his because they work together at some point. Um, and he's also mentioning some of the other ones because, um, he ends up working with like Flora Jessup and different things. Um, what else, what else, what else? I listened to The Sound of Gravel, which is Ruth Warner, Warner. Um, The Sound of Gravel I believe is the one, yeah, I think it's the one. So this one is an outlier because it's not about the UEB. It's not about um, those two cities. One short Creek, but it, I, its real name is like Colorado City or something, but they're like in Arizona and Utah and they're right next to each other. It's not about, it's not centered there. It's. A, it doesn't have anything to do with Warren Jeffs. It is about another sect of Mormon polygamists in Mexico. And she grows up in this sect, um, her father used to be prophet, and he was murdered by his, like, like assassinated, th- uh, through hitmen by his brother to take power of the church, and it's really interesting because it's so different than the other ones. Um, as let me just stop. All of these books have graphic sexual content in them, and talk about sexual abuse particularly child sexual abuse, but all kinds of sexual abuse, physical abuse. Um, In particular, this one, I think she does a really great job of talking about financial abuse, um, that polygamy, that religious patriarchal polygamy requires of its participants. And um, in all the books they'll talk to you about how, because there's so much inbreeding, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of, uh, disorders and illnesses that come from, uh, recessive chromosomes and people were sick all the time and things like that. But in, her, in hers, her mother gives birth to many ill children, um, with various things. Um, her older sister has, uh, bipolar schizophrenia and like, like she spends the first seven years of her life, like, uh trying to avoid being murdered by her um in this book babies die all like it's but there's a lot of sexual abuse in this one as well so something to think about and the ending um it ends in a once she and her siblings escape the cult after her mother is after her mother and brother are killed in like a very graphic and like I never thought the book was going there I I never thought that's what was gonna happen next and um it was hard to get through so just very interesting I would highly recommend The Sound of Gravel I would highly recommend it because it's so good that it's like from a different perspective but I'm gonna tell you it's a hard book to get through a lot of shit happens in it that's really tough um yeah The book I probably enjoyed the most, is called Church of Lies, it's by Flora Jessup. Flora Jessup is very well known because she is an activist for getting these um, people out of cults and out of these situations. And like, to the point where like, they were telling the children that Flora Jessup was gonna show up in the house and steal you out of your house. Like she's, she's responsible for a lot. Um, And she tells like some really interesting stories, it is the most graphic one when it comes to sexual abuse. It is the most graphic one. There is a um. um when it comes to physical abuse, um, there is a back alley abortion in it that they don't have a problem like. Explaining step by step, in excruciating detail, and um, she but I found hers really interesting because she like like she talks about what happened after she left when she started when she got on drugs and she started stripping and like uh like the relationship she was that stuff was really interesting to me when I didn't read hers I read hers like second I think but I don't know when we think of lost boys we think of we don't think of perpetrators. And hers was the first one that really talked about how she would find these girls and they would be like, they'd been sent away or ran away and they'd be living in these flop houses with lost boys, you know, boys and men had been sent away and sleeping with them for money or rent. They couldn't stay there unless they were sleeping with several of the men there and and stuff like that. Um, The witness wore red in that particular one that was interesting because she she got out and she married someone who else, who'd also got out and they had a baby together and their relationship like just because he left the church doesn't mean he left all the things that he thought about the church like he tried to convince her to to like have a a polygamous marriage and he abused her and like uh, tried to get the kids, take her kids away because he didn't want her testifying. Um, you'll hear about the three main raids that were really over and over again. Um, there's one in Short Creek, there's one in Arizona, and there's one, so like there's one in the 50s, there's one in the 90s, and then there's the Texas one. Um, so you hear about those over and over again. Um, the Texas one that was done by a hoax, uh, a hoax by someone calling in. So you hear about those over and over again, and... The Texas cases were um, the witness in red. She 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 testified over and over again for all these different cases, over and over and over and over again. And her husband was really angry because he was still in contact with some of his family that were still in the cold. And they were mad because the, leaving the cold is one thing, but like testifying over being on TV all the time, testifying over and over again is a different thing. And to him, he like, like, it's interesting. Um, the last one, and I'm like in the middle of this one is called Lost Boy and it's by Brent Jeffs. Um, he is, his father, Warren is is his literal uncle. Um, his grandfather's Rulon. And I, I find that interesting because again, it's from a male perspective. Um, you know, there, I found myself in a couple of these feeling like almost sorry for some of these men because almost, give me, give me a second here, because they were told that to go to heaven, you need to do these things. And that if this woman is not doing what you need to do, she, you, you should just like make her and that you not making her is like costing you your ticket to heaven. And also, especially and all these books, talk about Warren Jeffs. Um, one of them is Warren Jeff's daughter talk about Warren Jeff's during his time when he started like really losing it and started having new decrees like weekly, like you, you could lose everything because it seemed like your wife was running you. And then you, you'd hear from Warren that you had been sinning and that you need to get out of your house right now and get out and never see your children again, never see your other wives again. And so it just was like, there are like so many victims and so many levels of victims in this that it really blew my mind because it's not how I thought about it at all, you know? Um, But in Lost Boy, um, Brent, I haven't gotten to this part yet, but Brent is part of the lawsuit against Warren for a um, heat. Warren Jeffs is just a grade A fucking weirdo. I can't believe he's still alive. Um, he just abused everybody and everything, like any type of abuse he could do. He did children, um, male and female, he like raped sisters. He, he was known as a peeping Tom when he was a child. Um, just a lot of like, just a lot. Um, like everything that could be wrong with this motherfucker is wrong with this motherfucker. Um, but he raped Brent and many other boys when he was the, uh, headmaster of the school, the school that they forced everyone to go to. And it's before Rulon got sick and Warren started, you know, doing his thing, um, taking over. Um, and Brent is one of them. And this one's pretty graphic. There's a lot of drugs in it. There's, you know, suicide in it. It's, there's a lot. Um, but it's a very interesting perspective. It's different than the others. It sticks out. Um, the other, what was the other, the one by the private eye? Hold on, let me go back to this one. The one by the private eye, which is Prophet's Prey. I really appreciated his language. He, he got on my nerves. Like, I could tell I wouldn't like him in person. Like, I could tell. Uh, he's a big gun nut. He's very conservative. He's also a Mormon. Um... I believe a lapse Morgan, but he's a very conservative guy that loves to police. And, you know, I can tell that he and I would not get along in person, but I really appreciate it that he didn't pull punches in the way he talked. And that many of these books, because they're, they're memoir, memoirs written by women um, who are taught to keep sweet. And like, like um, even, even like the one with the walls, the, the wall there's two by the wall, different wall sisters. They figure in each other's books and one of them is angry at the other one because they feel like they got, she got the father like kicked out. Cause like, even some of the stuff that I was like, that's obviously not her fault. Like, you know, they're still working through it. But in Sam Barra's book, he's like straight up. He does not say they married their fourth wife. He said they married children. So when they would talk about Warren is marrying this person, he said, Warren married another child he did not talk about it because like again in a lot of these memoirs they would talk about well i had to submit to my husband he straight up says and then they raped the the she he took the child home and raped her he would he's he doesn't pull punches with that type of language and i appreciate that because in some of these other things like um they really everyone hates warren obviously but they really love to paint rulon who was his father that was, that, you know, got older and older and um, Warren basically took power from him. And they really like to paint Rulon as his victim of Warren's. And I, Rulon's not a victim. Rulon's been marrying young girl children for years. Rulon, and all, all those things were less strict under Rulon, obviously. He wasn't the one that was like, kill all the dogs. Yeah, that happened to In all the books they talk about, the day he told everyone to kill the dogs. And he gave people like 24 hours. People were like crying over their pets and shit. He gave people 24 hours, and then they were like, "If you see somebody with a dog, shoot the dog out of their hands." And like, I was like, "Damn." But like, Rulon is just as bad. Like, like there are many victim levels of victims, and there are many levels of perpetrators. That's what I found interesting about this, this like kind of like um, book binge I went on. Yeah. Um. And also lots of stories that you know, not everything is Rhonda's story from big love, you know, lots of different types of people, lots of different types of situations. I didn't know about uncle Fred who, um, was well loved. And I think he was the Bishop of short Creek when he was kidnapped by Warren in the middle of the night. But, um, I didn't know there could be this, that like, he, he was sterile. He had polio or some, some sort of illnesses as a young man, a child and was sterile. And so like Meryl Jessup, who figures heavily in Flora's, that's, that's her abuser. That's her father. Meryl Jessup, he, and he, he's, he's a prominent guy. He figures in a lot of the memoirs, um, would like when one of his wives would like give birth to a girl, he just like Get the baby and drop it off at Fred's house and give it to Curry favor, and let Fred and his wives raise the babies. Um, yeah, and, and when I'm talking about like Rulon was not a was not a, a let's let's not turn him into like oh poor Uncle Rulon, babe. There are graphic stories of people been in these store in these books married to Rulon being forced to have sex with him. He was 85 years old. Like he was 85. And still forcing girls to to be married to him and fuck him. So, mm, um, yeah, just like super interesting. Really enjoyed all those books. Um, I'd say that my, fa- if you were only going to read one, Church of Lies, Flora Jessops is the one to read. Lots of round, well-rounded and she's like very specific and very like, but it is graphic, like incredibly graphic. I just got to let you guys know that. Um yeah, and I think once I'm done with um that one um the one I'm reading right now, uh Lost Boy, I think I'm going to take a break because you cannot consume all this shit all the time and and just be fine. It's just not it. But I just want to let you guys know that I find it really really interesting. I found all these things really interesting and and I would recommend them like absolutely. And don't worry I am gonna put a content warning on this because I just spent thirty minutes talking about some shit that was needs a content warning. So you already heard one if you're listening this far in. Oh, if I could get one, if I could get one memoir, this is something I wanted, to, that I definitely wanted to say. If I could get one memoir, when Warren Jeffs went on the run, when he was formally charged with, um, he's been he he, he he's had two big cases against him. I believe one in Arizona that eventually got overturned and then one in Utah or it might've been Texas. I don't know. Um, It might've been Texas. But when he went on the run, he went on the run with one wife, okay? A wife that used to be married to his father. And in one of the memoirs, I can't remember which one, this is the one that was married to Rulon. She talks about that wife and how she would talk about she was a comfort wife, meaning that like there are certain in polygamy you'd have all these wives, but there are certain wives that like it was really important to have sex with, you know. And that they were like skilled in having sex and and it's highly curried favor. Keep in mind that it's so interesting how they were told to to treat the opposite sex boys and girls like snakes. Like, don't even look at them, don't touch them. D- d- Don't let sex enter your mind at all. Men are scary. Don't you ever be alone with a man. And then you turn 14 or like, listen, it's time for you to get married. And just go in that room and do all the stuff we've been telling you all this time. Don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. It'll kill you. Go ahead and do it. No, we're not going to give you any details. We're not going to tell you anything about sex. Just go in there. Let it be a surprise. He'll let you know. Like, shocking. Very shocking. I don't, I don't. I'm not shocked that it happened. I'm like shocked as the way to describe like, like like looking in a boy's face and also looking in a woman's face would like, like be your downfall until the day that we tell you you should get married. And then you need to have sex. Lots of sex all the time. Never say no. Sex, 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 sex. Are you having sex? Cause you need to have sex. Are you having sex? And this is until... Um, that while while like while um, Warren Jeff was in prison, he set out some new rules. And one of them was like you could only have sex for procreation. Could have sex if somebody was pregnant, and just a lot of things that change. Like every day, he he sends something new and be like, and now the rule is this. And it was just really tough on everybody because they were like, what? Um, who was I talking about? Oh, the wife that Warren was caught with. So Warren was caught with like ridiculous sum of cash money. Um, When his brother was caught first, his brother had all like all these letters because they were having to tithe everything or having to, to um, all these letters people would send to the prophet. Like one was from like a five-year-old boy saying his father had been, told to leave like because that was a lot that was one of the things they held over your head like if you weren't doing what we told you to do they tell he tell you like get out um his father had been sent away and it was so it was you know his siblings his mother and it was like this is our last five dollars we have nothing to eat please when can my father come home and like warren was never reading these letters he was just taking the money out but like he was in shorts and he wouldn't like all the men and the women had to wear long clothes at all times. Men had long pants, long sleeves. You could not show any skin. Women were wearing, well, also you're wearing the long underwear as well. So women were wearing long underwear, pants, and then a dress with on top of it at this point. To be in compliance with the prophet, but he's in shorts. He's spray tanning. He's this is especially in Sam Broward's book, really gets into this. He's um, going to Vegas. Him and the the wife that he's on the run with are watching porn in the in in motels. He's um, he's driving a Maserati, like he's he's he he he's buying a brand new Harley, which he which eventually gets stolen, and he's like not good at he. Warren Jeffs is such a skinny like weaselly motherfucker like he can't even hold it up like he's just wasting the church's money um like taking money out of people's mouths who need to eat for so he can drive like a really nice car on the run he was like trying to get fake ids to go over to europe he was gonna go he was gonna flee to europe um just lots of interesting things about him on the run but the interesting part is the wife that he took with I want a memoir from her because a lot of people are mad at her because like people were starving she knew that and she's just like out there wearing gentile clothing and watching porn with Warren in the motels and going from place to place enjoying her life and just like I want to know what she fucking thought. What is the freaking name? Hold on. I think it's Naomi. Hold on. Okay, glad I looked it up. I'm a dummy. <laughs> Naomi's story is told through her viewpoint on that Netflix doc that I skipped cuz I thought it would be too elementary. I might watch it. Maybe I'll do an episode on it. Um, cuz I really want to know what the fuck she was doing on the back of a motorcycle and going to Tampa. Going to fucking Sea World and then going up to Disney and all that other shit, when like people literally um were starving and what the fuck did she think was happening? What what, what did she think was happening when he was like, here, are these clothes that show all your body parts, and yeah. Anyway, let me stop talking about that shit. Let me stop talking about it. But um, yeah, all the books. If you're like you're interested. They're all at my library, at my local, well, two of them weren't, um, but Audible has them. Like, definitely recommend, recommend all of them, recommend. Okay, guys, I think it's season 12 of Buy Bumpkin. And originally what my intention was for season 12 is I was going to have, I was going to do Celebrity Fit Club the first season, even bought it on Amazon. And anticipated. I was like, oh, there it is, I bought it. Go to watch it. Amazon won't let me do it. This is not available in my location pull up the VPN, go to some different locations. Not available there either. And I know it was working because the office was on Netflix in Canada and I could see that, but like, no matter what location I chose, I couldn't get celebrity fit club. And I was really pissed off about this because I am not a spontaneous person. I, this would surprise all of you to know, like, this is definitely a big shock to all of you. I'm a planner. And I like to know what I'm going to do. And I don't like last minute changes. And so I spent, I should have recorded this yesterday, but I was, you know, trying to raise my voice long enough so I can actually do this and you guys can understand what I was saying. And then I realized I couldn't watch it. And I was like, what is season 12 of Bi Pumpkin going to be about? And, you know, listen, there are a lot of great ideas out there, but I'm not ready to do I Love New York. Newlyweds. Nick and Jessica, I definitely want to do, but they're only 10 episodes and they're 20 minutes each. I would have to do two episodes, um, uh, per podcast episode that only needs five weeks. Like if I do that, then this, like there are certain things that I can't do until I do something else. I don't want to do for the love of Ray J until I do Daisy of love. Like, you know what I mean? And you know, things can be available in streaming today and not tomorrow. And I literally bought this. I'm really pissed off about this. And this is one of the the issues about streaming is that um, even if you paid for something, like we don't, like, it's not physically ours. So, you know, I just went around trying to figure out what I was gonna do. And then I was like, well, what fucking seasons have I done? So I had to go back and like, list the 11 seasons of *By Pumpkin which is the only reason I know this is the 12th season and I was like damn I've done a lot now I've also done a lot of series on um on Patreon as bonus because I used to just do I used to do like a bonus series and a and a main feed free series but lately I've just been doing one-offs and documentaries and different things like I'm gonna do I'm finally gonna do the McMillions doc like I said I'm gonna do a Sister Wives episode next week I'm probably going to do this fucking Netflix, uh, doc for Naomi. Um, just very, and I did a lot of sponsored episodes over there. So not, so those 11 seasons of things I've done. I've also done, I know for a fact I've done Hogan's Knows Best, but I did it on the bonus episodes. I know like just different things like that. So I was just going through and just thinking, and I have, I put a lot of things down and, you know, I obviously want to do, I've done this before where I have did like a, a, a smattering of true life episodes. And I definitely want to do that again. I want to do, um, just like just all day today, not all day, but like most of the day Then I made some bomb ass chicken tacos guys. You know what I like about TikTok? I like when some shit comes across my page. I'm like, I'm going to make that today. I was just, I saw some chicken tacos. I was like, that's happening. Fuck. They were so fucking good. So fucking good. anyway, but for most of the day, I've just been like dicking around and like kind of doing admin stuff. Um, if you by the time you listen to this, if you haven't gotten a response to my to like messages you sent me through the month of December recent because I've missed it. By the way, I have some more sponsored episodes in the can now. Things that I need to do. I cleared them by the end of the year last year. Um, a lot of the things you were hearing on the main feed in November and on Patreon in December were sponsored episodes. These are just episodes where someone pitches me something, pays me 20 bucks, and they sponsor this episode for me to talk about this subject. It's really good for things that you wish I was talking about, but I'm not. Um, so I'm open again for sponsored episodes, email, message me on Patreon or email me at hello at buypumpkinpodcast.com. I rarely say no to a sponsored episode. I've only said no to a few things. I'm going to tell you this now. I'm going to say no to anything that has to do with Harry and Meghan. I don't want to talk about them. I find them boring. I'm also not going to be able to say the things that you want me to say because um, I don't necessarily have the same perspectives. And so I talked, I think I talked a bit about this. Um, on because people were asking me, for starting to ask before then, but I'm I'm not gonna do any Harry and Meghan content. Liz, explain why she's not gonna do any. But for me personally, I am not interested in them. I find them some of the most boring people on earth. I find their situation to be boring. The only thing I am I am willing to do is defend them against racists. But that's because I am forced to, just because. Fuck racism. But I do not care about those people. And they need to think about some, <laughs> they need some, some teachers on race as well. Um, I don't intend to read that book by Harry. Whatever happens, interesting, I'm gonna find out about it. Y'all are gonna be talking about it non-fucking-stop. All the interesting parts will come out eventually. There are all, some stuff's already coming out where he's saying that, he didn't know if he wanted to wear that Nazi costume. He was going to wear a Nazi costume or a pilot costume. And, um, and, uh, uh, William McCake told him to wear the Nazi one. Listen, listen, do you know what will never happen to me? will never, well, what you will never in your life need to worry about me calling you to ask you, man, you think I should just wear a generic pilot costume? or should, I wear a Nazi costume. No, because I have common fucking sense. I don't care who told you to do, who, who encouraged you. You're the, it was your idea in the first place and you're the fucking one award. I do not like Harry (laughs) at fucking all. And so, and much like Liz talked about how she does not want to be, she doesn't, she never wants anyone racist or with terrible opinions like agreeing with her, I feel the same way because I have some criticisms. I just don't believe they can live. Like they are very, all the stuff surrounding Harry and Meghan are really, it really is forced you to be black and white. And there's very little for room for gray and nuance. And I'm not taking that sponsored episodes. I'm sorry to the 10 different people who asked me. Literally. I'm not going to take those sponsored episodes because I'm not going to say what you want me to say. And I never want to be in a position where a racist is agreeing with is like, yeah, I think they're terrible too. No, we don't have the same opinions. No, 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 no. Um. So other than that, like I've done some episodes I did not want to do. I did a sponsored episode for, um, what's the transracial lady? You know what I'm talking about. Trans, the trans race, Rachel Dolezal. I did an episode on her, on her doc. I've done things like, um, that, that, that TV show, black or white, where they would put people in like, um, black face and white face and have them go live. I did that. Like, there's a lot of shit I've been like, girl, I don't know. But the thing is. I know I'm going to have something to say for most of them. And I feel comfortable with what I'm going to have to say. I do not believe we are at a space where we can, where I can talk about Harry and Meghan in a nuanced way that will not attract the wrong sort to me. That's all. Um, But yeah, if you have like some things you want me to talk about, you wish I was talking about, pitch me, message me on Patreon, email me at hello at bipumpkinpodcast.com let's talk about it. it's 20 bucks let's see what will I do for $20 you'd be surprised and you'd also be surprised what I wouldn't do for $20 um what else like I've turned down that I turned down Kanye episodes never I'm not gonna talk about Kanye I don't want to talk about Kanye I just don't think I think I think there's enough talking about him and I don't think I can add anything else to that conversation and I'm sick of him that's why I don't want to talk about him what else if I turned down? I can't remember. Like if, if I if I saw the, like the email from it, I'd be like, yeah, I turned that down. <laughs> but yeah, so, but pitch me, see what we're gonna do. So why am I talking about that? Oh, cause I'm talking about the different episodes, uh, what I've been doing on Patreon and and how the fact is that like, I've done 11 seasons of Buy Pumpkin um, different series on here. And I've also done quite a few. I think I did a workout episode on Patreon. Um, I really do not remember. It's been so long. How long have I been doing this? I started this right before Kara started everyone's business, but mine. Like I did my first couple episodes right when Kara was messaging me being like, I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm, I'm getting back in the podcasting game. And I was like, super excited. Um, so whatever her anniversary is maybe a month prior to that is my anniversary. Is it three years? Is it two years? How fucking long have I been doing this? I don't remember. I could easily look this up. Hold on. Okay, I'm back. The trailer for this episode, for this show, came, went out October 18th of 2019. So... I can't do math, babe. I cannot. I guess I've been doing this for three years and this October will be the fourth year. That's a long fucking time. So I just was really... I was discombobulated today because I was like, girl, I have been geared up to talk about fucking celebrity fit club for a month, over a month. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And now I have to figure something else out. And what I landed on. And this is how I kind of decide what I want to talk about. Does my, does, does the blood get a little pumping when I want to talk about it? You know what I'm saying? Does my mouth water a little bit? Do I have a lot to say? And there were many things that I did. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be doing that in the future. I just can't do it right now. This requires that I watch two 45-minute episodes. um, Like, there were some bad girls episodes. That I was like, oh, is the season I want to do. But there are like 23 episodes, which means I have to watch two shows of, of for every podcast episode I do, which is an hour and a half of content. And guys, because I'm writing down notes and I'm stopping and I'm looking and I'm clocking people's wigs and I'm doing all these different things, If it's an hour and a half of content, I have to break that up over a couple of days. 40 to 45 minutes is about as much as I'm gonna do in one day when I'm taking notes. And so like that requires a schedule to change. Like Amazon, you really fucked me up. Like I really, give me my celebrity fit club money back, bitch, like you broke bitch. Why, how dare you? How fucking dare you? Take my money, I don't know how much it was, might've been 11.99, I don't care. It's the principle that matters. You took my fucking money and now you're talking about, I don't live in the right country. I was living in the right country when you took my motherfucking money. You broke bitch, give me back my fucking money, Amazon. Anyway, in terms, in terms of like what I can do right now, in terms of logistics, accessibility, like, there's so much shit I'd love to talk about. You just can't get it anymore. Cause MTV put a lot of fucking current music in it and now they can't play it for us cause they gotta edit the music out. Shit like that. But what I decided to do is I decided to do a smattering of Iyanla Fix My Life episodes. Why? One, I love Ayanla, okay? Has Ayanla, has Ayanla, her, I know people say Ayanna, but her name is Ayanla. Girl, I don't always say it correctly. But has Ayanla uh, fixed anybody's lives? Listen, you take a shit very literal, okay? It says, Ayanla fixed my life. There might be a question mark after that. Can she? Will she? Probably not. But <laughs> I enjoy her. A lot. And part of the reason is that she yells. Guys, have you noticed that we like people who yell at these people on TV? Because we want to yell at them. One of the reasons we hate Dr. Drew at these fucking reunions of Teen Mom is that he's not doing enough yelling. But he can't. I like I'm gonna get to it when we talk about Sukiyana on fucking sister wives on the bonus episode. I'm gonna get to it. Like there we at home would be horrible hosts because people will walk out on us all the time because I would be screaming. I would have I would have hit Cody. I would hit Cody Brown. I would Will Smith Cody Brown. I'd slap the shit out of him and then go sit in my seat. I mean, I'd have to leave after that, but um, he didn't leave, but I would have to leave. Yeah. So this is why they don't hire me to do shit like this. But if you notice, the people that we love the most on these shows are yelling. Dr. Phil yells. He's like, you can't have sex with your sister. And everyone's like clapping like, yeah, smart. He yells. Dr. Now, for my 600 pound life, doesn't yell. But he does say things like, hmm, have you noticed that you're fat? And people get a, a kick out of seeing fat people taking the task for being fat. That's the truth. That's part of the enjoyment. I'm... I'm able to admit internalized f- fat phobia. There's some like There's something about seeing someone who's medically disabled because they're fat and eating tons of food. And you want to be like, oh, well, why'd you have all those grilled cheese sandwiches? Mm-mm-mm. Admit it, you want to say that. You want to get in their face and be like, this is your fault. And doctor now does it for you. He says things like you can't possibly be losing weight, you can't possibly be on the diet, you're not losing. He says he 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 takes it to, he takes them to task for you. That's why you like it. And Ayanla, whether she's right or wrong, often slams things on the table and yells. And we're like, yeah, yell at that motherfucker. Now here's the thing about Ayanla. I've read two of her books, and one's like a pretty much a memoir. And she, everything. You, every ratchet thing you see on Ayanla Fixed My Life, Ayanla has been through herself. She has had a very, she's had a tough life. She's been a million fucking things. You know, she used to be a fucking lawyer. Yeah. She's been a million things. She has, she openly talks about all, like all the mistakes she's made raising her children. Ones like, um, I think he died, but he's—he was a very serious drug addict. Um, her kids have talked about the way she's abused them. Um, another child died of cancer. I mean, that's not Ayana's yeah, fault, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, she talks about the mistakes she's made as a mother, as a woman, as a, the bankruptcy she's been through, the the, like she's she's had it all and lost it like over and over again. So, knowing that about her, sometimes when she's talking, I'm like because i know that and she like she's very open with all her like drama and all her like tea in her book the first one i think it is because she's so open with it it's easier for her me to listen to her yell at people because she i don't think she's yelling from a from a uh how could you kind of way she's yelling from a space of i did too um I she's also just the right amount of spiritualism you know what I mean she's got um she's a lot I mean she's listen this is this is a bible thumping bitch okay I don't care how much of this African spiritualism she uses and I'm not quite sure what the fuck she's talking about like when she got married the last time um she was like they had to go in a hut and they had like some robes like I'm not sure what she's pulling that from I don't I, I think she's from Brooklyn I'm not sure what's happening but yeah I it, so like I don't understand that at all and also she's very like religious you know monkey actually told me during um, Christmas okay so they had a a, a book exchange at his school like instead of doing gifts or anything like that everyone wrapped a book and they were they were very specific like you don't have to buy a book a book from home and what we're going to do is you're going to put who it's from he's in the first grade and we're going to put in the box and people are going to choose a book and then we all get a new book and the book we gave was like about how nobody likes a fart it's a very funny book um the kids are actually like, why did you give away for our book? We really want it back. Um. But Monkey comes home. But I have forgotten about that shit. Because I, I send my shit in early. I don't want to be dealing with shit at the last minute. Monkey comes home with this book about, and it says, Jesus loves me. Now, my kids are in a, a charter school. The school is being built. They are headquartered inside a church right now. They're, they're, they're the, the school has taken over a church that allows them to be there Monday through Friday, while the school's being while the actual church school is being built. So there is like Christian iconography all around because they're literally inside a fucking church. But and the church is like the way the church is set up is perfect for a school, perfect. Um. But like, so they're inside a church, but I'm still like, what the fuck you get a book about Jesus. So when he shows me this Jesus loves me book, I was like, okay. And it only, it took me a minute to realize that the book, the, the book swap was happening that day and he must've gotten it from the book swap. So then later, I love miniatures. Um, target during Christmas had this manger, wooden manger set, super fucking cute. Like super cute. I didn't even know who all those people were. My husband was trying to tell me. And I was like, me, no care. There's a lot of men in this manger with Mary. Which one's a daddy? And like, and there's a little baby Jesus in there. And so I didn't care. I was like, this is cute. I'm gonna put this up. Whatever. And Monkey had said, he gotten the little baby and came over to me and said, is this Jesus? And I was like, yeah yeah, I mean, sure. And then later that evening, I was talking about something and, he, and Monkey comes up to me and says, "Um, do you hate Jesus? And I was like, what? And he goes, well, your face, every time I say Jesus. <laughs> he says, every time I say Jesus, your face scrunches up. And I was like, I don't hate Jesus like I'm absolutely agnostic I would love to be shown some shit I'm open to anything and like I love Jesus was like a messy bitch that loves drama okay imagine inviting all your friends to a dinner and just being like one of you bitches is gonna portray re- me which one Before the rolls come out, imagine. I love him cartwheeling out that fucking cave after everybody thought he was dead. And he was like, guess who's back in the house? Like, I love that. Like, this is, I'm into all of this. I would love to be at a fucking party and be like, is this wine? Is this wine? What is wine? You did this? You? Shit. Son of God, is that, is that, oh okay okay i would love this shit is like this sh- i live for shit like this like i love why do you think i watch the real housewives i love drama okay and and like all this shit. you know i don't know a lot of stories from the bible because you know i was raised by heathens that turn into to very serious people as adults and you know but all the stories in the bible our drama, okay? And Jesus is the hand of all of it. Jesus and Jen Shaw have a lot in common. I'm just, I'm gonna put that out there. I'm gonna put that out there. Je- <laughs> I mean, Jesus wasn't Jesus in prison? Didn't Jesus go to prison one time? I think he did. Pretty sure he did. I'm just letting that out. And like, Jesus would definitely be like, yeah, I invite you, but I heard you was talking shit about me, okay? So you can't come to the boat trip. And I was gonna park the fucking seat." I don't know if Jesus did. That's a Moses story. Did Moses part this sea or did Jesus help him? I don't think Jesus is in that story. I've seen the Prince of Egypt a uh, many times. It's a great. It's a wonderful movie. The soundtrack is banging. Okay, banging. Deliver us. I love that fucking song. I mean, it's a sad song, but you know, but it's but it bangs. You know, it's a fucking mob. It goes. But, um, like, I don't think Jesus was there. I didn't see Jesus there is what I'm trying to say in the movie. Um, so I think that was something separate, but still, still like, so, I mean, I, I, monkey seven, like, I can't tell him all this, but I'm like, listen, I don't hate Jesus. I, you know, I just, I don't know. My face scrunches up sometimes. I don't know what to say to you. I don't know but well I'm off topic the reason I'm talking about that is because in general like I'm usually not like attracted to someone who talks a bible thumper in any way shape or form but because I <laughs> combines it with her faux African spiritualism like the thing about her is she's so fucking entertaining to watch and every now and then she says some shit that goes damn girl Shit, I should write that down and put, post it on Instagram the next time I break up with somebody. I should write that down. Like, She's just enjoyable. She's watchable. She's supremely fucking watchable. And that's why I enjoy it. Um, I just want all of y'all to lower your expectations because nobody's life's getting fixed, baby. This is a 40-minute TV show on OWN. Calm down. Don't be so dramatic, Jesus. So... <laughs> in this particular one, it's called Lotto Drama... It's season four, episode seven. This is the first of eight episodes I'm going to do. I'm obviously going to hit the man with 34 children. I'm obviously going to hit, um, Sheree Whitfield's episode. Um, hold on. Let me, let me just, uh, flip this legal notebook to the page that I wrote down, the ones I'm going to do. I'm obviously going to do the one, Laura, Laura Govan, Neffy and Solo, two parts, going to do it. Karuchi's episode, going to do it um what else Terrell Owens episode I always found that one really interesting and there's one called my freeloading family in which um one of those dudes like he about to fight Ayanla and her son comes out and and is like you're not gonna do it actually I don't even remember if he said it like that but that's what I would say listen not my mama not my mama not today that's what I felt like the man said I don't I will I'll remember what he said once I watch it again but um yeah those are some episodes I want to do and I think we're going to have a good time. And if you're someone who doesn't know who Ayamla is, listen, I realize the majority of my audience is white. I'm I'm happy you're here. I hope that you are, I, I hope that this resonates with you in some way, but I'm a black person and a lot of my references are black. And so I know sometimes when I come up with like, when I'm like, I'm going to do an episode on the Braxton sisters. I'm going to do an episode on I I'm, I'm going to do a series on Ayamla that, Sometimes you're like, I don't know who that is. Fair, bet, got you. But I want you to remember there's plenty of times that I queue up a Liz episode and it's about some YouTube people that I have never seen in my life. You know Liz is the only reason I know who the fuck Trisha Pages is? I do not know who that is. And I finally saw like a video of hers it wasn't like a, it might have been a YouTube video, but it was like her pretending to be in the Hillary Duff movie. Because, you know, hey, now, hey, now, this is what dreams, you know, I sing that shit all the time. I don't recall ever seeing that fucking movie, but I know that song. And so I was like looking at I was like, is that Trisha Paytas? Because when when Liz would talk about her, I would like look her up and she looks like Tisha Campbell to me. She looks like Tisha Campbell, little biracial sister. And I know she's not, I I think she's like blackfishing, at least the court, that's what Liz says. So I don't know, I don't know this lady. But like, I listen. I don't know who the fuck that is. Plenty of times, there's some internet drama and I'm like, at the beginning of the episode, I don't know who that is. At the end of the episode, I'm like, what? I need to know more about this. So like, I just want you, if you're one of those people that's like, I don't know what this is. Press play. And listen, I promise you, you're going to like it. Kara does episodes all the time about people I do not know the fuck they are. Some fashion person. Some, all my Kardashian news comes from Kara. I don't, I... every now and then I'll be sick or something and I want to watch something that I do not have ever have to think about and I'll throw on like uh, some Kardashians. I I prefer the Mean Kim episode because I think that's her real, that's who she really is. She's glint in her eyes when she's being mean, when she's hitting people, when she's calling somebody a whore and kicking them out of a, a hotel room. Love it. That's real Kim. So like every, I'll throw that on because it's easy, but I don't watch, I don't know what's really going on. And you know, it's, Kara has to tell me and I really fucking appreciate it. Sometimes I just have to press play and like trust the process. And I'm going to say the same thing to you. There, those of you listening who, who are going, I don't know who Ayala is. I don't understand. Press play, which you've already done, but keep pressing play and trust the process. I think we're gonna have a good time. So this episode is called Lotto Drama. It's season four, episode seven. It came out October of 2016. And it's about Marie Holmes. Marie Holmes was like 26 years old. She was a single mother of four children. All, her and her four children were living in one room. She was a part-time employee at Walmart and a part-time employee at McDonald's. Two corporations notorious for keeping people part-time so you don't have to pay them benefits. So you need two jobs for the play- to not even be able to afford what you can get with one. Um and she won the lottery. How much did she fucking win? She won $188 million in the lottery. Now, just to keep this a thousand percent real, you get a hundred, you get the full amount if they if you let them like pay you out over the course of like 30 years or something like that. If you choose lump sum, you get less. I think she got like 127 million and then she had to pay taxes. And I think at the end of the day, what happened? she took home like 88 million. People keep saying only 88 million is an incredible amount of fucking money. Incredible amount of fucking money. It's an incredible amount of money for anybody, but it's especially for someone who is living in one room in a trailer. So you're sharing a trailer with multiple, with probably another family. So you're living in one room in a trailer with four of your children and going to McDonald's and Walmart to work every day. Incredible, and you're like 26 years old. Incredible amount of money. And she won that in February of 2015. Um, This aired in October of 2016, like I said. Um, What did she buy with it? So she bought multiple homes. Um, She bought one of which was a plantation, which we'll get into. She bought lots of expensive cars, of course. She paid like $700,000 to a pastor who then sued her because this pastor believed, I don't know, like when Marie had just won, the lottery, this pastor, her and his pastor had some conversation about her tithing, like 10% of it. Um, okay. Warren Jeffs. And, and, um, she verbally agreed to give him $1.5 million to donate to the city church. She says that it was more of a "uh-huh to get out of like to get out of the conversation, but she ends up donating seven hundred thousand dollars and agrees and and agrees to pay out the rest as she gets money for it, gets money. But he doesn't believe that's enough, and he wants the ten million dollars he believes he's supposed to get. Um And according to him, he went on and started to build the things that, that the money was supposed to pay for with his own money. And that's why he was suing her. So she was in a lawsuit for that. That's not the, that's not the extent of her tangle with the law. She is engaged to a man named Lamar with two R's. And I want I want you to make sure you remember he's got two R's. His mama gave him two R's and you're gonna say Lamar with two R's. So um, Lamar is 32. Looks a smooth 40. You know how they say black don't crack? Well, it's not always true. Maybe it don't crack, but it do get moldy. Lamar look old, okay? And Lamar has, they were dating for two years before she got got the money. And he's the father of her youngest child. And... He's been out on drugs, on drug charges, on selling drugs, heroin. Um, and over the years, year, she got the money in February, 2015. She won in 20, February, 2015. She might not have got the fucking money till fucking April. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how the lottery works, but I just don't expect them to like wire the money to your account. Like that day. I just don't think that's what, how it happens. Um, maybe she got it in a couple of weeks after she won. And this is being filmed, this is being played in October, 2016. So it can't, it's what, at the most, it's a year and a half. i um, like, yeah, at the most is like a year and a half after she won the fucking money. During this time, she has spent $21 million on bail for Lamar. And part of it is that he, that like, and I, I, I was like, she paid the whole bail. Like there wasn't a bondsman that would do ten percent. She pays the entire fucking bail. Um, but she would just she would get him out and then he would violate bail and get sent back. One time she even got arrested because she was cause they came over because he had violated curfew. People out on bail, like a lot of people think it's a fucking game. And I'm like, being out on bail or even being on probation, like those are similar situations in that like you do not have like the typical rights to search and seizure and like 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 they're not fucking around with you and you when you're out on bail you are not to be arrested. it's not you're not supposed to get in trouble and people think that means you're not supposed to be convicted no you're not supposed to be arrested and you can get arrested for fucking anything it, it does it takes nothing to be arrested and it turned out to be the shit could be thrown out but you violated bail by being arrested So like, and she was smoking weed one time when he's like when he misses curfew, and so she got arrested too, and I'm like. Um But here's the thing When Ayan Luck shows up to Marie Holmes, this plantation home, she Lamar's going to jail in two days because he's been convicted, he's got seven years. And I'm like, eighty eight million dollars? Could, what kind of lawyer did you get? You couldn't get one of those lawyers that fabricate evidence. You couldn't get one of those lawyers that, like, for eighty-eight million dollars, you couldn't get. You couldn't get. You couldn't pay somebody to say they did it. Shit. Seven years. I mean, Lamar. Lamar deserves it. Okay, obviously, fucking deserves it. Um, but I. Why am I saying obviously? I am not trying to act as if. I think Lamar is innocent. No, Lamar doesn't even say he's innocent. It, it seems like Lamar is, feels guilty of all the things that, thinks he's guilty or, or at least doesn't think seven years is too much for what. So, I mean, if Lamar don't think that, why the fuck do I think that? So I'm just like, damn girl, you couldn't get Alicia Florrick. You know, in you know on the good wife, all that happens that Alicia shows up and she used to be friends with the person and somehow she gets the evidence. Lamont Bishop shows up and does something. You know. Damn girl, what kind of lawyer did you get? Anyway, anyway. Off topic, Princess. So he's one thing, right? She's also has an estranged relationship from her mother. I talked about the pastor suing her. She's spending, 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 which is typical for a lotto lotto winners, like Um, winning the lottery does not change, um, your understanding of money and does not make you a great money management manager all of a sudden. Like Marie absolutely needs a money manager and then a second money manager to, to keep the first one honest. Like she, she absolutely needs like help understanding what taxes are to be paid and when and and how you mitigate your task, your tax uh, exposure and what's like what's smart in terms of real estate and what is isn't. like she needs somebody and I don't know if a money manager does all of that obviously because girl I don't I didn't win a lot but my first thought was be like I need some people I need more people I need someone that's gonna be like hey you don't know this because you were like poor and shit but rich people don't pay taxes on this thing because they do this thing and they blah 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 and they put the thing the put t- t- And then they sign it right here and then they put it in an envelope. But that's how they, that's how, that's how they don't vote. That's how they don't pay taxes. Like I need somebody to tell me that because how the fuck would I know? But Maria, I don't think Marie has that. Marie's just like going through fucking money. Um, when we meet Marie, she's sitting outside the house in front of her plantation house in a, um, wicker conversation patio set that came from Walmart Obviously, <laughs> it came from Walmart. I'm going to give her the benefit of a doubt. It didn't come from Big Lots. Most of my furniture for many years came from fucking Big Lots. Hers came from Walmart. She's a step up. But they're sitting out there. And I know they said they plan to do this shot earlier. But it seems cold. She's in uh, North Carolina, by the way. Um, Like a small town in, in North Carolina. So she which is interesting because her family's in Seattle, her mother and her other siblings are in Seattle. I don't know if they left North Carolina to go to Seattle or she left Seattle to go to North Carolina, but either one of those is a very strange, uh, move. So they're sitting out there as as obvious this was planned ahead of time, but it seems cold. They've got on jackets. They've got blankets over their, their laps that also might be like a prayer cloth thing. Do you guys know what a prayer cloth is? I barely know what one is. It's like this thing you put on your lap so that, I'm sure it has some other use, but in my experience it's been so that people can't see your legs and you can be modest in church. Like the usher gives you a prayer uh, cloth to put over your lap when you sit down in your skirt. But that's what they look. That's what it looks like to me that they're doing. Um, Ayanla has many iterations um the one thing Ayala is always gonna have is incredible foundation garments what I mean is like um compression like what is it fit uh the shit that you wear underneath your clothes to make to smooth things out she has incredible because this is she she's very pop 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 um and this is an older lady I don't know how let me check I'm back. Ayanla is no spring chicken. In 2023, she is 69 years old. And this is about seven years ago. She's 62. But her, like, I she's wearing foundation garments of steel. Like she's very smoothed out. But she's also in her era where she's, her power lesbian era. She's got like an asymmetrical haircut with like shaved sides and back. She's got like a little bit of like honey blonde in it and but she's also like wearing like a skirt suit with a turtle white turtleneck white white clothing like somebody who wears head to toe white is confident okay and she's got like a little scarf like over her shoulder and across her like she's definitely she definitely dresses like the first lady okay she definitely dances. She dresses like she's about to lead a woman's conference and she leads many women's conferences. So this makes sense. But that's the era she's in. Cause her hair changes often. Like I, I, I used to have like a bald head. Like she, she looked amazing with it, but still, and this one, she's got, it's asymmetrical. She's got the shaved sides in the back and she's, you know, she's got a little bit on top to like flip around if she needs to, you know? Um, and Marie looks like a child. I, she is 27, I think. And at the time of the filming, but she could easily pass for like 19 easily. Um, she's what, when I lived in Louisiana, um, they introduced me in Baton Rouge where I went to school, they introduced me to a term that I had never heard before and it's poe. And what it means is that you're small and not in a, like, you know, how people glorify thinness, not like that. Small in a way that it seems like you don't get enough to eat. It's po. You you ain't got no meat on your bones. You, you you you're skinny in a bad way. I would say that about her. She's small. She's a small person, um, and very skinny. Uh, she. i There were many interviews with her, like on the Today Show and various other things. She always looks out of place. Her clothes are too big. Um, which makes sense. I mean, the clothes are being bought like. Especially the the interview on today's show, she just won the lottery. Clothes are being bought and stuff. This is not she's wearing high heels, but she's so small and the way she sits, she's like knobby kneed, her, her her toes point to each other. Um she she's got such a small face and small eyes, but she's wearing a very large wig. It is a lace front wig. It definitely is expensive. I'm not saying it's it I she ain't wearing Beyoncé hair, babe. She's not she's not doing that. But it's expensive for what around there. She's probably wearing like it's obviously human hair. Uh it's got honey blonde, it's black and like blonde, like two-toned. And I've talked about this before that fucking TikToker, don't ask me what her at is cuz I don't know anybody's that on TikTok. Um the one, she's got two dogs. One's named Princess and one is Pernell. And she's always putting a wig on Pernell um, on Princess's head. And it's like a, uh, it's like a, a, like flipped over her face over one eye. It's like it. the wig is, uh, and the wig over Princess all the time. She always get, apparently, I've, I've read the comment. She goes to get baby clothes. And so Princess is always wearing like a pair of jeans and like a bodysuit and her pants keep falling like <laughs> Sometimes she's on skates. Something. <laughs> and the woman treats her as if princess is her hot in the pants daughter. Like she has to run up on her at the park with the boys. She's been cutting school and Pernell hasn't told her. Or like she's wearing shoes that her daddy got her. And, and these are shoes that, did he buy Keisha these shoes? What are these? Like it's. <laughs> Keisha can't play rough. Let him tell, i am come down there. Like she's. She, this is, and and this is why it's just funny. And I think dogs with human names are funny. Princess is a human name. Argue with your mama. And Purnell is a black human name. There's this one video where she rolls up. She's driving. I guess Purnell got out. And she rolls down the window. He's like a a poodle mix. He's a white poodle mix. And she rolls down the window and goes, Purnell! Get home now! Get home now! And he looks at her starts walking and starts running towards the house and she's like yelling at him like he's her son that like stayed out too late and (laughs) I don't know. I enjoy dogs with human names and I enjoy dogs with old black man names like Otis and Leon. I I just I I really enjoy this. She makes me laugh a lot. And Marie looks like she got on one of princess's wigs. That's what she looked like. It, it's overpowering to her. She looks like lamb chop. She's got a like very big lash. She just, she, she, she obviously needs a stylist, but I mean, you know, whatever. Um. So love is, she, she's a stunt queen. Okay. She loves a fucking prop. And one of the things she does is she comes out with these, like, gold bricks. They're they're probably styrofoam and spray-painted gold. Like, I always think the people on Ayala's, like, crew have to do all these arts and crafts all the time to make these props. So they're spray-painted gold, and she calls them gold bricks, and she tells Marie to write on each gold brick things she's bought with the money, allowances she has to give out to people. Because she's also bought um, Lamar a... um, a business, an auto restoration business. And he's going to prison in two days and she's supposed to take care of it. And she, so Ayala's like, Yeah, write down the business, write down the taxes for the business and the payroll for the business. And you know. Cause she says these golden bricks are like holding Marie down. Um and of course it's not fix my life unless we have some fucking homework. There's always some homework. Again, I just really think Ayanla is one of the, like, at her heart of hearts, she's the leader of a women's conference because she absolutely does this on a regular basis. And this is what she's doing on the show. So Ayanla also tells us the house is trash and we do see some stuff. And this, I mean, it's not the biggest plantation on earth. Right? It just isn't. But um, look at me being like, it's not the biggest plantation, but it's, it's a, it's a large house and it has grounds. Like it, it, it's, it's a large house it's, and the pool looks like a fucking swamp. Like it feels like Marie doesn't know that if you have a pool, you need to be hiring. Like you're not going to go fucking do it. By the way, my mom, my mom took out all of the mulch in her flower beds and around her house and put gravel there and the reason she told me she did that is because when she she says when I blow the leaves I sometimes have to blow the mulch and it's just really annoying and I said stop right there you blow the leaves you because I can't picture that you hold a leaf blower and you press the button to turn it on you do and she goes, of course not. But she's like, I watch other people do it, and it's annoying. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That that sounds like you don't do house, you don't do yard work, you don't do that, you don't do that. When they built their big, my parents have this deck, and it's half screened and half not, and it's really nice. It was it was built, and then my dad decided to stain it and paint it. So he goes out to paint it, and he asked my mom to come with him, and my dad is like, she had the stankest look on her face. She was holding this brush like with her, with her index and her thumb. And he's, and he said, I just felt like she was going to cry at any moment. She was like, she just kept looking up in the sky. Like, why am I here and shit? I was like, yeah, this is like my mom. My mom. My mom's the flower, not the gardener. She's, she's not, she's like, she was not made to do physical labor. That's not her thing. And that mm-mm. she's not Bob the builder. If you're going to bring some furniture, she hates Ikea. She doesn't understand why they keep giving her furniture pieces. And she's like, if you bring some furniture over here, I expect you to put it together and then take the old furniture away. That's what I call, like, that's what my mom's. So like, I can't believe she was trying to play me with this. Like, you know, when I blow leaves, you, you blow leaves. No, when you watch people blow leaves from the window upstairs and complain about how they're blowing leaves, that sounds like you. But Marie, I'm just, Marie's not, Marie's not cleaning the pool. And like Marie doesn't also know because she doesn't have the help or the like people tell like someone to tell her that like owning a pool is like a big fucking like big commitment. You need to hire, unless you're a person that's going to be out there every fucking day or maybe not even every day, but you know, doing all the maintenance on it. Um, you need to hire someone who is going to come on a regular basis to come and do the things that needs to be done to this fucking pool to keep it hygienic and clean. And you need to close it up in the winter. And you you know what I'm saying? Like there's there's things you gotta fucking do. But it's like, it looks like a fucking swamp. They go through some of the rooms. The rooms are tore up. There's like shit just piled up and like head to toe in one room. She's got this fucking couch, guys. This couch is definitely a Big Lots couch. This is a cheap fucking couch that every furniture wholesaler sells. You gotta watch it. Because as soon as you see this couch, it's got like a chocolate vinyl base I've owned this couch guys it's got a brown like a, a, a like a chocolate milk type brown like cushions and you can like it, it's it's a very specific couch it's so hard to describe i've owned this couch every every cheap ass furniture wholesaler on jamaica af and Queen sells this fucking couch. Has this couch in its, in its uh, catalog. Big Lots has this fucking couch. Walmart sells this fucking couch. This fucking cheap ass couch. And the cushions always slide. And the cushions are all fucked up on her couch. Like the house looks fucking terrible. No, like she doesn't, no one's taken care of. This is a large home. And it's the type of home that like, you're not gonna live in without like, hiring someone to like come and clean and like, yeah. You know. And then they've got, like, these dirt bikes and, motor- and like, ATVs all over the property. And, like, one's in a bush. And she's like, oh, I bought this for the kids, and they lost the key. And now we can't move it. And at one point, Ayala I- does say they don't clean these dirt dirt bikes. And I'm like, I don't own any dirt bikes. I don't own it. But I don't know if you're supposed to. Do people clean them all the time? I just... I don't. I feel like it's at least a little fucking worries, but she does even make a point that like Marie does not take care of the thing. Like she's buying all these things and she doesn't take care of them. She doesn't expect anything. She doesn't expect her children to clean bathroom themselves. She does not um, care for the house at all. And maybe that's like a, a product of um, how that she has the house, maybe because or maybe there are other reasons like there's bags of trash in the yard where somebody was taking out the garbage and didn't like, well, Ayala says something like this is a big, this is a house for big girl panties. This is a large house and it's, and like you're, she's living in it like a frat house, you know, which is correct. Um, then Ayanla says, and see, I'm telling you, like I don't get down with a- a- Ayanla all the time. There's a lot of shit she says. And I'm like, girl, what the fuck does that mean? She says that Marie's slave ancestors do not appreciate her not taking care of those dirt bikes because that some of, some of her ancestors might've been on this plantation. Maybe, well, I do find it incredibly strange that, no, I don't find it strange. I would not buy a former plantation to live on personally, but I see Marie probably didn't think twice about it. Maybe didn't even know. Maybe they never, maybe even thought about it. Um, this would make a great horror movie where somebody like wins the lottery and buys like a former plantation, a black woman when buys a former plantation and the ghosts of the slaves, like, start haunting her and, like, trying to kill her and shit. Um, like, you know, they will say, I Am My Ancestor's Wildest Dreams, like, she's there, she, her ancestors, like, oh, no, bitch. Like, Jordan Peele, get on it. It would be such a good movie. Do it, do it. Um, but no, I don't know if the ancestors are mad about the dirt bikes. I don't, I don't know. I, I just feel like they got other things to worry about. They're like, a black president? What? Like, that's, I think that's what the ancestors are doing. They're like, TikTok? Wow. That, I feel like. <laughs> um, Ayala talks to the mom. Her name is Fontella. Actually, Marie's name is Fontella as well. Fontella Marie. Like, she's named after her, you know. I'm all down for girl bossing it. Name those kids after yourself. You, you, you those are your kids. You name them after yourself. Um, So Fontella says, ever since Marie won that money, like the public has been picking at her. Like they really did call her stupid. I found a lipstick alley thread where someone was like, she should just kill herself and leave the money to the children. I was like, damn. Okay, she bought a couple of cars. Y'all are vicious. But people think she's stupid. And the public has been picking at her ever since she won the money. Here's what. I found interesting, apparently during the pre-interviews, cause this is how all y'all knows this, this is how all talk show hosts or hosts at all know these things. I mean, how else would she know they ask these questions? During the pre-interview, Fontella has apparently told production that she is the one who picked the lottery numbers. So what happened is that she'd had a dream about her third child who is is passed on. And she had a dream about him and the numbers came to her. They were his birthday. He was the third child and he would have been like 25 or something like that. And she either Marie sent her to buy tickets or she asked Marie for money for bilateral tickets and she chose the numbers and she gave the tickets to Marie and Marie is the one who like cashed in the thing. Now, Ayandla keeps talking and trying to imply that this Fontella is the one who won, and Fontella is Fontella's money, and that she gave this wealth to Marie. Fontella says she did it, she she did it because it was Marie's money that paid for the lotto tickets. And Marie has four kids and she just wants the best for her daughter. She doesn't want to take anything from her daughter, which is sure. But I don't know if Fontella is the rightful winner of the money. I believe this is, if this were, I, this is probably one of those things that you would have to like, this is a civil court matter, matter and it would take like, wind its way through courts. I believe that what's going to happen in the end, like the person who paid for the tickets and the person who physically possesses the tickets has a strong case for being the winner. Um, just because you bought them and you're the one who came up with the numbers is not necessary. I mean, I'm not saying she doesn't have any claim to it, but I'm just saying like if, if we had to go to court and there's and there's to be a black and white decision, I believe the person who whose money purchased the tickets, who sent you to go get the tickets, they paid for the tickets and the tickets were then given to them so they physically possessed them. I think they would have a very strong case that... They are the winner and not you, um, but we'll see, you know, so, well, no, we won't see. Cause they're not going to, she's not going to sue her. She says she wants her to have the money. So also we find out at this point that Fontella has Marie's kids in Seattle. Uh, Marie bought her a house and the kids are in Seattle. And she's down here smoking weed and running around with Lamar. Okay. Oh, by the way. You know, I'll talk about Lamar later. One thing that comes out is that Marie's father was selling and using drugs. He also went to prison. Um, And Ayala makes sure to point out that Marie is following, like, in her mother's footsteps. She is dating someone who is a drug dealer and... He's going to prison. So the next day. Now they keep saying next day, next day, next day. But Ayanna's clothes don't be changing. Like it's the next day. So I don't know what the fuck the, the 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 um the voiceover is talking about. So the next day they go up to the business that she's bought and they meet Lamar. And we find out he has three kids already, and then plus the one he's got with Marie. Um, again, 32. He look he's 32 if you if if you tie him to the back of a horse and dragged him through town through a crick back up through Main Street and you did that for ten years. Yeah, he's 32. That's what 30, that's what his thirty two looks like. Um Lamar says his mother was on drugs and didn't take care of him. She died very early. Um mm-hmm he says that he was very shocked that Marie bailed him out. Although I saw quotes of him being like, it's her money. She can do what she wants. I'm like, I'm sure, I'm sure you think she can do what she wants when it's to bail your ass out of prison. Um, millions of dollar bonds. So, but he says, Marie's the first person to do anything for him ever. And Iyanla, Okay, this is her opportunity to seize on the fact that his mother died was addicted to drugs and died of of drug-related death of some sort and that he sells drugs and he pumps the poison in to the African-American community. Ayanla is a big fan of respectability politics. Remember, she's like 62 when this is being filmed. Ayanla is quite conservative for black people because she's older. Um... You know, by the way, <laughs> the whole time she's talking to Lamar, there's a fucking countdown on the screen saying how much longer it got to he go to prison. It's like twenty-four hours. And I'm like, that is disrespectful. <laughs> is someone also yelling out, Lamar, you got twenty-three hours and thirty minutes now? Like like damn man. Get a minute break. He leaves for seven years and about twenty-four hours, and they don't really have a plan. They sit there and they start to talk about how, like, what's the plan for the business? I'm like, y'all been know he's going to prison. Y'all gonna wait till the day before? This seems like disorganized. And it's not that like if that could possibly be editing and production. It could also just be Marie and Lamar who seem like disorganized people. Um, and not also that like I I I'm waiting for um Marie to be like. Well, we have a, um, you know, there's a manager. There's a guy that's, like, in charge of this shop. Like, it's not Lamar. Lamar's hardly ever here. And that's probably more whatever. But she's probably going to have to sell that shit. Because why would you have it? You, you bought it for Lamar. Probably so that he could have a legit business to say he worked at while he was out on bail. And why would she buy that for him? He's had these cases pending since she's had that money. Why would she do that? Well, I know why she'd do that, but I'm just, I'm... Don't try to make sense out of something that was not made in sense, you know? She's going to make you go crazy. So, Ayanla makes him write his own baggage on some gold bricks. um, The things that are, like, weighing over him. Like, the fact, he's got three kids. His oldest is nine, He's going away for seven years, and he's leaving those kids exactly how his mother left him. Um, this business that that is supposedly his, and now he's leaving that with Marie. And so what she does is she makes him write a bunch of things on these bricks, and then she totes these bricks, these bricks back over to the plantation, and she talks to Marie. and She explains that Marie, these are your bricks now because he's leaving. Um, Both Marie and Lamar look like... They look like when you come home and your dog was eating out the trash and he knocked it over and it's all over the kitchen and he knows he wasn't supposed to fucking do that. And he knows you're going to be mad at him. And he's just looking at you like... Somebody broke in the house and, broke and ate all the, it was eating the garbage. Not me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. That's what they look they like. They got hang dog expressions on their faces. Um. And Lamar isn't really participating. And Ayanla, stunt queen extraordinaire, is good for walking out on people. She was like, I am not accustomed to leaving my home to try to help people and they don't even look me in the eye and they don't participate. No. And gets up and walks out. And what happens is that. Someone who works with her, I guess they call her Doctor D because she works with. honestly says she works with a team of people, which I believe. I believe there's like a billion people in that fucking house. Like on the Braxtons episode that I did with Nadia, um, there are a ton of people walking around that fucking house with them. So Doctor D comes out and talks to Lamar, and you know she's she's she sounds competent. She's like tell me what you're feeling right now. Tell me, let's talk about this. Um, she, she doesn't seem like this is her first day. Um, And he says that he spent the day talking to his children about the fact that he won't see them after tomorrow. And I'm like, once again, it's a little late. Like d- this isn't a, they knew already, right? That nine-year-old knew already that like, you didn't tell them the day before you went in. I mean, I'm sure they know, they hear adults talk, but I guess what he's saying is that he spent a day with his children and he feels shitty. Of course you do. Like you fuck those kids over. Seven years is a long time to be without your father. His oldest is a son. All children need their fathers, but particularly when we're younger, we tend to imprint on someone who we see ourselves in and to be a young boy and not have, your father figure around, I don't know if he has other father figures, but you know what I'm saying? Now have your father figure around is, is tough to be a young girl who doesn't have a feminine figure to look to, to just model things. You know, it's tough. It's real tough. Makes sometimes makes you feel out of place. Um, so I understand how he feels he feels shitty and he should feel shitty like there are many victims and some of them are your children who who you will not be able to financially support and you will not be able to um support in a real way of any kind of way um at this point so Ayanla comes back she as long as he's talking she's willing to like you know and Marie comes back and at this point Ayanla Ayana, I can't wait till we get this Karuchi episode. Those mammy titties. Um, that's the the uh, Nephi and Solo episode where she makes Solo lay down in the middle of a field and cry. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Solo was going through a lot of shit, but just this like he's dressed very dapper and just like laying in a field crying. Um, she kind of like pulls Marie onto her lap and hugs her like a child. This is the way I would hug Bear Bear, who's six, but tall, like he's a big boy. Uh, like I always say, he looks like he's undercover in his kindergarten class. <laughs> but like he's, but this is the way I hold him. He's big. And and I kind of pull him onto my lap and hold him. And, and I don't think Ayala asked. She just like grabbed her. Like Ayala is very physical with people and I'm like she doesn't ask any questions she just like gets up in your space and she's rocking her and holding her and Marie and like getting Marie to express herself and Marie does express that like she feels terrible she feels like he's leaving her just like her father he doesn't want her to go but she feels like she has to she she doesn't want him to go but she feels like she has to do what she has to do and there's all this stuff that's that's on her table, on her plate now, and she doesn't even have her mother, and she, she just, she feels lost. And, you know, Ayanla's rocking her, and and Lamar's looking out in the space while this is happening, and Marie's crying, Lamar's crying at some point, and and Ayanla is doing, like, positive reinforcement, like, good girl, yes, 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 so proud of you. Like, it's 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 a strange scene. Like if you only saw this clip, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? And in fact, even if you saw the whole episode, if you're not familiar with how up close and physical Ayanla gets with her people with the people on the show, you'd be like, What is going on? I know that lady looks young, but that's a woman. Is she why is she being rocked like that? Um next day, again, quote unquote next day, Ayanla is wearing new clothes. But then what they say is the day after that, she's not wearing new clothes. Like, what the fuck? So the next day, the jail countdown is back. Marie and Lamar go to drop them off the prison. They're like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, three minutes. So like disrespectful. People meet them at the parking lot of the prison to do a prayer circle and to say their goodbyes to Lamar. It's a few people. That's interesting. And then Marie walks him into the prison. She looks very sad. So later they sit down. They say it's another day, but she, but Ayanla's wearing the same clothes. She's wearing this bright green um, blouse. And they sit down with Fontella and Marie to discuss how she's how Marie's going to go broke. She's just spinning, spinning, spinning. And Ayanna says, Ayanla, excuse me, it's getting late says that she doesn't know that Marie doesn't know what she doesn't know which is true this is absolutely true and she says she needs Fontella to guide her and I'm like no Fontella doesn't know what she doesn't know either you need a white man in a business suit that cheats on his taxes to help you somebody who deals with money someone who does this all the time you need a backup who's also going to check what he does you need This is, this may not be possible, but you need to not give him power of attorney to sign for you. You sign everything, you read everything, you sign everything. You have it audited, you, (laughs) but you you, like, you need somebody who can tell you how to make your taxes stretch the most. You need someone that goes, okay, if you buy a 6,000 square foot home, you also need to figure in utilities are gonna be hell. That pool needs maintenance. You need domestic help in here. You and four kids are not going to live here, and this is going to be okay. You like have you? You need to get some counseling. Like you need you. You just need a guide, and I think there are people who are like lotto winner guides, but I don't know. Most lotto winners lotto winners end up going broke, and that's the truth. So. But what they end up talking about is how Marie says to Fontella that she wants to know why of all the kids, she's the one that got slapped in the face. She was the one that be hit like that. And not the other kids. And Ayanna mentions that like slapping someone in the face is the ultimate disrespect. And um, I don't believe that because your face is how you see the world and slapping someone in the face is like, the ultimate disrespect. I find that the ultimate disrespect is spitting in someone's face. This, this, it's, it's on sight forever from, if you spit on me, but I can see what she's trying to say. And Fontella says that she would be frustrated when Marie would be talking back. And I'm sure she also saw Marie, herself and Marie and her father and her, and she apologizes and they cry and... And she's like, well, why didn't you tell me you didn't want to be slapped in the face? That's I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what she said. And Marie says the right thing. I was a fucking child. <laughs> and also like, why the fuck, why the fuck do I need to tell you? I don't want to be slapped in the face. Do you need to know that I don't want to be slapped the, you don't want to be slapped in the face? <sighs> then Ayanna makes Fontella tell Marie how Marie won the lottery Apparently Marie doesn't know this. So she tells her and you can see Marie's face darting back and forth. And part of it is that like, I think she immediately recognizes it true because she, she probably remembers those fucking numbers. They might be one of the tattoos on her. Um, if I would shit. And as she's explaining the numbers, it makes it very clear. Although, I mean, Fontella could be fucking lying. She could have known the numbers too and be like, yeah, that's a... cause some of this shit's kind of random. But Marie's pretty defensive. And I would be too, because I was like, why are you telling I'd be like, why are you telling me this now? Are you telling me that you think this money belongs to you? Um, Marie says she wish she told her earlier. And Ayanla tells Marie to stop being so defensive that her mother wants her to have the money. I'm like, why are you framing this like Fontella gave her that money? Like I don't know. I'm pretty close to my parents, so it would be nothing for me to give my mom like ten million dollars. It would be nothing out of eighty-eight. Yeah, here have, have it. You pick the numbers. Have it. It would be nothing for me to do that. Or did like, my parents have a house and they love it, so I wouldn't buy them a house, but pay off their cars or like send them on like a like a badass vacation or something like. It would be nothing for me to do that. Um. But Fontel and Marie don't have that, that relationship. And so it would be, I I understand how Marie's like, wait, what does this mean? And also you wait till so we get on the show to tell me this? You know, Ayanla then tells, basically says to Marie that your mother is your mother, you only get one. I'm like, oh, that's bad advice. um You know, there's a lot of things you only get one of. Doesn't mean you should, like, doesn't mean you should hold on to it. But <laughs> she says something that, like, hit me fucking hard. She said, one day your kids will be sitting here. They'll be sitting there and you'll be sitting there. And they'll be saying, um, you know, why did you send me away as soon as you won the Powerball? And they'll be saying like the things that you did wrong. And then I Iana says, mothers do the best we can and it's never enough. I'm like, oh, because one of the things I've kind of, i tried to resolve, resign myself to is that my children, I am making mistakes every day, whether I know it or not sometimes I see the mistakes I'm making. I can try to rectify it. Or I can apologize and move forward. But there are plenty of times I'm making mistakes that they, that, that I don't even fucking know about. And they will let me know. Eventually we will be having conversations about what, how, who I was as a mother. And as I keep telling you guys, in the case of, um, I don't think it's for any grand- Glanville. Oh, Shana Mogler. That, I don't get to say whether Shane is a good mother, her children do. And so like the ultimate test of like, how well you parent is what your children think. They'll tell you. And so like, I can do my best and you guys can compliment, me. people compliment me all the time on my mothering and, and sure, that's great. That's wonderful. But the true test of, of whether I did the right things or what my children think of me and think of our relationship. And I will have to, I'm practicing right now. I, Hey guy, like, they're going to talk to me. They're going to say things. They're going to be like, this time you hurt my feelings. This time you made me scared of you because you were yelling. And what was I supposed to do? you were yelling really loud right there. And then that like, or you always made me do this and I didn't understand. I always felt this way and, and that was wrong. Or you made me feel this way. Yeah. They're going to be saying it and I'm going to have to say, Hey, I did the best. I thought I did the best I could. My best wasn't good enough. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know that that was happening, or I didn't know that it came off this way. I didn't know at the time. I thought I was doing what I should do, and it turns out you're letting me know no, it wasn't what I should do, and I was wrong. And I'm sorry. What can I do? What can I do now to help you heal from this? Or what can I do now to strengthen our relationship? What can I do now to make this up to you? What 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 can I do? I'm gonna have to do that. I'm gonna have to do that. Many times for five different people. Six if you got my stub kit. And so like, just get ready. Because I'm making mistakes right now. Right now I'm recording this podcast. They're going to be like, all you cared about was your podcast. You were always like, I got to go in there and do my podcast. And then you wouldn't let me listen to your podcast. And then you delete it and block the podcast app off my phone so I I wouldn't be able to listen to it. Yeah, I did do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry gut punch anyway uh, that it kind of ends there um were there any lives fixed no lower your standards lower them. um i do want to say this lamar like at the end of this um they say that marie moved her kids away from that location um to an undisclosed location and that can be said for several reasons like maybe she just doesn't want producers to know where she is maybe it was like none of your business where i am or maybe um, she's got to move because of the shit Lamar was doing with his drug dealing. Yeah, you don't fucking know. But she intends to like, they're engaged and she intends to stay with Lamar until he gets out. But she doesn't. So what happens in 2021, he ends up suing her because they break up, which they were going to. See, the re like, you already fucking knew that. The reason Marie kept paying millions and millions of dollars to get Lamar out of prison is so she didn't have to be alone. She needed to be with him. That's. she. W- She's not doing seven years, babe. It's not going to happen. So and not that I think she should. In fact, you know, I'm one of the people that was calling Marie dumb on the Internet. She should have broke up with him. I would have never returned a phone call. After I got that money. I would have never returned a phone call again. Like, you were my loser boyfriend I had when I was staying in the trailer in one room with four kids. You are not going to the lotto with me. Like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. no. If you want to see your baby, she will be down at the Howard Johnson's. I will get her a room in <laughs> the. I'm just kidding. But I personally would not be, me and Lamar will be done at that point. I could buy better love than this at this point. So, um, but, but um, they end up breaking up and he ends up suing her because she started, I guess she got with an acquaintance of theirs. That also makes a lot of sense. Marie doesn't seem like somebody who like searches around a lot, like it's whoever's around. And also if I were one of Lamar's low life, like fucking friends, as soon as he went to jail, I start I try to fuck Marie. Cause I want her to buy me a car too. Okay? My car's on its last legs, and I know Marie is gonna get it fixed. There's room in that plantation for me too. Like <laughs> it's probably one of the motherfuckers that was out there in the prayer circle. But that's typical, you know, and it's not it's not unexpected. I'm not shocked. But apparently there were gifts that were given to him that she sold or gave away. And He's trying to sue her for those things because I guess according to him he left them in her custody and she's so I don't I don't know. It seems seems like a fruitless uh activity to me. Um she shouldn't have bought you that shit in the first place and didn't really belong to you anyway. And you're in prison. So I think you have other things to worry about. Um Yeah, like uh that's pretty much the end. And I went on lipstick alley. You know, I just, I always like to, like, do a little Google to see if anything's new. And, you know, they're just calling her a dumb bitch on Lipstick Alley. <laughs> That's it. Like, you know. Anyway, guys, I had a lovely time talking about this. Please excuse the fact that I spent the first 30 minutes talking about Warren Jeff fuckery. Um, and I'm glad to be back. And I hope you're glad to see me back. And I will see you next week.